Amen. Now, how many thankful for Jesus? Man, I'm so thankful for Jesus and everything that He's done for me, but who He is to me. Man, I'm thankful. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not just interested in what He could do for me. I'm thankful for who He is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sold out to that man. Everything He's done for me, I'm so grateful for. And I bet you could say the exact same thing. Amen. Where you were to where you are today. Man, Sunday mornings wasn't weren't church day for the, a lot of us in the past, was it? <laughs> Those are wake up from, you know, certain night before days. But thank God now here we are in the house of God. You are the house of God. Being in with one another in God's family. So it's, it's good. And your future only gets better. Amen. Well, I'm excited, uh, as uh, my beautiful wife said, this is our last um, Sunday of Decontaminate. Oh, sorry, sorry, different. Decontaminate is what we're focusing on. And, it's, man, it's been good, and it's only going to get gooder today. So as well, get, pre- get ready for it. Uh, but if you've got your Bibles, I want you to have them there. I'm not going to tell you where to flip because I want to just go over a few things real quickly so we get everybody caught up. But make sure you got it. You got them there? Hold them up. Make, your de- make the devil real nervous because he hates this thing. But man, he, nothing scarier than a Christian who knows this thing. Right? It's not just you know, a nice decorative pillow that, or a nice decorative book that you have on your desk. But let's just pray before we get into this because I know the Lord's going to do some things in you. So Father, we come before you thankfully, humbly. Lord, we are so grateful for everything you've done for us. And Jesus, we come and approach your word with complete thankfulness. And Lord, we ask you that you would open up our eyes to see. Open up our ears to hear. And Father, we come with open minds, receptive hearts to take your word for what it says and be changed from the inside out. Lord, we're not not interested in just a religious duty or doing church for the sake of doing church. Father, we come as your children to come and be taught by you. We're hungry. We desire you. We're on fire for you, Jesus. We long for you. This is a church that is your yes church. We're desiring you. We're all for you, Jesus. We're all for your plan in this city, all your plans for this nation. Lord, we love you. We crave you. We desire you because you are our God and you alone are the one that satisfies us. You alone are we are determined. Sorry, our determined purpose is to know you above anything else. In Jesus' mighty name, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for and in advance for the lives that will be changed by your word this very day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, you hear that, that slogan quite often. Your oh, lives will be changed, especially if you're in the Christian world. They say that all the time. And I don't want to ever lose the feel of that because what the Word of God has the potential of doing is absolutely changing your life forever. When you hear the Word of God, not just talking like, oh, I'm, I'm reading it, it's cute. No, when the Word starts speaking back to you, that's when lives start to change. And so that's what I'm believing God for you, that the Word, you're not just hearing it, but the Word's actually talking to you. That makes all the difference because, you know, this isn't just a dead book. This isn't a live book. It's ready. It's ready to impart into you. It's ready to take off the pages and jump into your spirit, jump into your mind. You go, oh, I see it. Anybody want one of those? Oh, I see it. Moments. Anybody love those? Oh, I see it. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, I see it. That's just what I do when sometimes I'm reading the word by myself and I'm spending time with the Lord. Oh, I see it. I do that quite often. So that's that's what we're going to do here this morning. So decontaminate, and again, what we're talking about this entire, this season that we're in, and this is the statement the Lord gave me, and if you haven't written this down yet, here's an opportunity, because it's been three weeks in a row. Can anybody quote it? Can anybody tell me what God said? Come on now. <laughs> Kelly Rowe, give that man an impact sticker. That's, a, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> His hand shoots up, everybody's eye contact drops. Oh man, don't look at me. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. I was never that ooh, ooh kid. So Kelly, you the man. <laughs> but I'm going to repeat it for those that didn't hear it. He said, I am removing blockages and clutter through clarity of my word and a yielding to my spirit so that you can walk closely with me. That's what he's all about. He wants you to walk close. And that's what we're doing is getting clarity to what the word actually says. Right into yielding to what the Spirit of God has to say. And I'm so thankful that you have the Holy Spirit. You're not limited to what I say or don't say. Aren't you thankful for that? No, come on. You should be thankful for that. <laughs> Man, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because He makes, He can take a message and He can actually custom make it to totally fit your circumstance, fit your situation. I mean, this happened before we had it last week. There's a few people came up. Man, that to- that's exactly what I needed to hear. Hey, great. I- That's awesome. The Holy Spirit custom made it and made it directly what you needed to hear. He'll do that for you, but he needs a willing heart. Amen. So the question we've been asking these past couple of weeks is, who am I? 
Who are you? When you close your eyes and you lay, you put your head on that pillow at night, who do you see yourself as? When you're in the mirror and you're, you know, putting your pit stick on and you're brushing your teeth, what do you see? What do you think of yourself? How do you view you? Is it good? Is it not good? What are you saying about yourself constantly? What are you believing about you? What are you identifying with? Because as we said, people are very good to identify with things in the natural, right? They identify with their culture, with their race, with their skin color, where they came from. Sometimes they identify as their favorite sports team. There's so many different ways. Some people identify by their education or lack of education. They identify what happened to them as a child. They identify to the job that they have, the bank account that they have. There's so many ways that people identify themselves, but that's not actually who you are. And that's what we're getting into. And that's what we've been discussing is because we have to go back to what God says about us because he's the one that created us. Right? Your bank account does not define who you are. Oh, I am a poor person because my bank account says I'm poor. Well, that's maybe a fact what you're facing, but the truth is of who you really are. The Bible says that you've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So you have, there's a contradictory here. So we have to figure out what are you going to actually believe and going to stand with. Right? We got to either stick to the word or what's looking like out here. Okay. Because also when hard times come, now notice it said when, not Oh, if, when they come, whoop, whoop. <laughs> when hard time come and they try and the attacks start trying to take you out and thoughts start coming and saying, who do you think you are? I thought that you were a child of God. I thought you were this. I thought you were that. I thought that you had victory, but it looks like you don't. You have to have an answer. You have to have an answer. Listen, people, things are talking to you all the time and we can't just, you know, stay quiet, stay silent with it. When a tough situation comes, you got to answer that situation right back. And how you answer is with your identity. That's what he's looking for. That's every attack. And that's what we're talking about is every attack that the devil brings to you and I is an attack against your identity. When an attack comes, you can't say, well, I'm a Stan Peters fan. It should be fine. It's not going to work. And that's it. You Eskimo folks, the same way. I'm an Eskimo Spanish. It has nothing to do with that. Every attack that the devil brings your way, no matter what it is, is an attack on your identity. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that? Anybody going through some things? What's the attack? You may kind of feel it's a personal thing. Well, yeah, it's personal. He's after your identity. Now, the reason why, and I went over this last week, but just, for, just to touch on it again. Number one is because he wanted to be like God, but he can't. And you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says you are just like God. You're made in His image, in His likeness. And so you confessing that has absolutely made you to be just like Jesus. 1 John 4, 17 says, As He is Jesus in the heavenlies, so am I in this world. He hates that. So first of all, He just hates it because you're it. Now He doesn't want you to have that, so He's going to do everything He can to separate you from your true identity to what the reality or what you're facing right now. That's what he's after. He wants to separate the distance between who God says I am and to what I'm facing and make sure there's a major gap so that you don't actually experience victory. Yeah. Right? We good with that? Yeah. Number two is, the second reason why is because he wants to pull you into a natural fight. Now I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6 for a sec, please. <clears throat> Every attack from Satan is an attack on your identity. He tries to question, question your sonship. Why? First of all, because he's jealous. He's mad that you are just like God. But number two is he's trying to pull you into a natural fight. And in a natural fight, that is a fight you cannot win. Why? Because you're not a natural being. What are you? You are a spiritual being. You are a spirit being. You possess a soul. You have this Right, these this mind, will, and emotions, and you live in this body. The moment he pulls you out of your true state and fighting out of, he gets you out of the kind of operating in the spiritual realm, you start operating in the flesh and in the natural. That is a fight you cannot win. You will never win. Right, yeah. right? Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 12. It says, this is Paul speaking at the very end. Let me just pick it up, verse 10. He said, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
So what you're fighting is not a natural fight. Okay, well, how do you fight that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn left a little bit. So I don't have these, these ones on the screen this morning. <clears throat> Look at verse 3. If you're there, say fight. fight. All right. Verse 3, it says, we are human. How many of you agree? We are human. But look what he says. But we don't wage war as humans do. For we use mighty weapons. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So what is the strategies of the devil? He's trying to bring thoughts and arguments and ideas that go against what the word of God says. That's his strategies, right? Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, we don't, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're operating and we're fighting against principalities, the rules of darkness. What are his strategies? What are his tactics to throw mindsets, to throw thoughts or ideas to get you out of what the word of God says into this natural state when you're trying to fight? But Paul's saying we are humans, but we're not fighting as humans do. So what do we do? We take God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, and we knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you out now of operating in what the word says into what it looks like, what it feels like, how it looks out here. And he causes you trying to fight that. Can you win that battle? No. And people are trying to fix things out here. If I could just fix this, then everything will be okay. That's, that's, not, what we're, that's not our fight. What is your fight? The fight is, is, try, is to remain in this place of trust in God. This is what he said. I believe it. That settles it. This is it. This is what God has said. I'm staying right in this spot. Yeah, but it looks so contradictory. It looks so different out here. But this is what God said. Yeah. See, Hebrews tells us we labor into rest. Kind of sounds different, doesn't it? But you work to actually get into this place of rest. So that's why when you're in a fight, you get into the Word of God. You start pulling up all these scriptures of what God says about you, about what God says about your situation. That's the fight that we fight, and you start thinking about it. You start looking at it, and what you're doing is you're actually going into this place called rest. And you know, when anybody ever been in that place called rest? Woo! You have a heyday in that rest point. When you get in, you enter into that rest, oh, you got this. It's okay, you, you got this. And that, that moment, because the moment you try fixing things, God's not able to work. But the moment you get into this position in this place of rest, what happens? Now God has opportunity to work on your behalf. And the battle is the Lord's. It has never been yours. Isn't that the good news? And I love that. Anyways, that was just for fun. <clears throat> now thinking about it, just going back to identity, but this entire world is an identity crisis. This past week, I did a little bit of research, and uh, there's actually 51 different types of genders that people can be now. 51. Lord have mercy. 51. So you think, listen, if you're either in Christ or you are in crisis, like, and this is what's going on. What's the devil trying to do? He's trying to, uh, listen, people are trying to identify themselves. They're trying to find a place. They're looking for identity. They're doing everything that they can to find a place to belong. Because why is identity so important? Why is it a big deal to us as individuals, as families, as a church family? It's because that's our place of belonging. You hang out with people that have the similar interests, similar things that they enjoy. Why is it because, oh, I identify with you. I, you do that? Oh, I do that. Hey, let's hang out. Let's go for coffee. You, you do those things because identity, that's how you see yourself. And that's how you see somebody else. Let's hang out together. Identity is huge. So no wonder the enemy is doing everything he can to throw labels on whosoever, whatsoever, in order to find a place where people can belong. People are identifying as cats, people. Cats. Aliens doing everything they can. So don't tell me this isn't important. Man, when the enemy's trying to attack, he's doing everything he can, but everything goes back to an identity thing. It all comes back to that. Why, you know, I identify as this, and I identify as that, and I identify as the other. They're just looking for a place to belong. And again, what is our battle? Our battle is not with those identity crises. Our battle is against the one who's trying to sneak in these new identities. So we don't fight that stuff. We don't wage war against the genders. What do we wage war against? 
principalities, the spirit of darkness that are trying to operate in these areas, trying to bring stuff up. But I think it's interesting. What is he after? Identity. That's what he's been going after. That's what he's fighting is going back to identity. Man. So this is why it's so important for you and I as believers, as Christians, as Jesus people, that we have to identify and understand who we truly are in Christ. And knowing these things is the difference between victory and defeat, the difference between sickness and health, the difference between poverty and rich, between joy and depression, between peace and stress. That's the difference. When you know who you are, you cannot operate in those things. There's no such thing as a depressed in Christ person. There's no such thing. So we're going to talk about this, okay? A little bit this morning. You may be having some issues with that, but listen, that's not who you are. When you find out who you are, it changes everything. There's never been a sick person in Christ. There's never been a poor person in Christ. Why? Because then God did something wrong with Jesus. And did he do anything wrong with him? No. Is there any kind of anxiety in Christ? No, it's not there. So we have to start identifying with the man in Christ. That's where you and I, he put us there for a reason. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Sounds good? Now, the reason why I also just want to mention is because everything that Jesus did, when he operated in this life, don't think, man, listen, yes, Jesus was 100% God, but he operated here as a man. Over and over he said, the son of man, I am the son of man. And he operated as a man. How did he do what he did in, this earth, in his earthly ministry? He did it because he knew who he was standing before God. He knew it. You think about it, when he fed the 5,000, what kind of thing? Well, it's just a miracle. No, but where does that all stem from? What's the root behind the action to do it? I know who I am. When he all of a sudden laid hands and the leprosy left people, was it just like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot? No, he knew who he was and he had full ability to go and perform this. He knew who he was. Do you think that way? Do you see yourself walking into a leper colony and actually being the one where people are drawing to and saying, help me, can, can I, need, I need this, I need this. Do you see yourself that way? That's how Jesus walked around. He was bold about it because he knew who he was. Everything that he did, he walked on water knowing who he was. So everything comes back to this identity question, right? And I'm not going to turn there, Matthew chapter 4, but this is the enemy. I just showed that to you. Uh, Satan said to Jesus when at the temptation, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread, right? And Jesus said, oh man, it's, it's, it's written. I mean, no man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But notice what the devil asked him, if you are the son of God. So proving, you don't have to prove yourself to be a son of God. You already are one. Now, when you get to know one, proof and evidence is going to come out. But if you're trying to prove it to prove to yourself or prove to other people that you're a child of God, you're missing it. This is who I am. And out of me knowing who I am, I produce good fruit. Right? Okay. So, as we said, the importance of identity. <clears throat> God is the only one who can label you. Right? He's the only one that can label you. And how he, how he does it is through his word. He labels you through his word, and that's what we're going to discuss more and more. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, oh, there he is, he gave the right to be children of God. Huh? <laughs> verse 13, it says, They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from, human passion, from a human passionate plan, but a birth that comes from God. So God is the one that labels you. Yes, your parents helped God get you here. But for the most part, it was God's plan and intention that you be here. So thank you, parents. But thank you, Lord, for calling me to be here in such a time as this. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can get so... There it is. So good. It's not, this is not youth ministry because right after that, you get the Snickers. <laughs> what, did he, what is he going to talk about? Anyway. <laughs> labels. So again, in our society that we live in, we, people are so quick to label you to how you feel, to what it looks like. Bam, 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 bam. They label you. And I use that example when uh, Jason and I, we had, to, we had to run in for something real quick. And the doctor right away tried labeling him, saying, oh, he, you know what? He's probably an asthmatic. Whoa. And I, 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 some, you don't even realize it. Hello. You don't even realize it. It's so subtle. You don't even realize it. All of a sudden, when they said that to me, and I was like, hey, doctor, thank you so much for your diagnosis. Hey, I'm, I'm grateful. You're doing everything you can to help me as well. Thank you for that. 
But my son, that's not who he is. Sure, maybe like some symptoms are trying to attack him, but that doesn't belong to him. So people come up, oh, is he having a rough... No, 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 listen. Who he is, what he's experiencing is completely different from who he is. Who is he? Well, the Lord told us he is the well. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, that's what we're standing on. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body. So who is he? He's a quickened being. He's quickened. His body means to come alive. He's made alive. That's who he is. So what's happening to him is not actually identifying who he is. And that's where a lot of people kind of miss it. Oh, you know, my daughter's just shy. No, 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 no. Nobody is shy in Christ. It is impossible to be shy. Now, it has nothing to, be with an, it has nothing to do with an extrovert, introvert. You can be introverted, and that's fine. But introverts doesn't mean you're shy. It has nothing to do with that. Come on now. We're in Christ. Now, <clears throat> so the question the Lord asked us is, what labels have you allowed to stick to you that ought not be there? God has labeled you, not because of what happens externally, but because of who and what he has done on the inside of you. That's why he's labeled you, is because he knows what he's put on the inside of you. So don't allow false advertising, false labels to place you, to be placed on you when God says something completely different. So we talked about that last week. We ripped off some labels. You ripped off some labels? Yes, okay. Thank you for the two uh-huhs. Next. So number one is labels. Number two is your life, your behavior, your thoughts, your words, your actions are a result of how you see yourself. You can just listen to somebody talk and you say, man, I, I'm just such a loser and I can never win. Listen, it's because they have a poor self-image. They have a poor identity crisis. There's a problem going on there. And so they listen, the answer is not to go, oh, well, no, you're, you're a pretty cool guy. You need to hear it from the Lord himself. Who is he calling you? What has he said about you? Let that come in and absolutely change everything about you. Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not the New Living Translation. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not so will he be. How you are thinking of yourself in your heart, so are you. You're, not, you're nothing past that. What you're thinking about you, you cannot be greater. You cannot be lesser. What exactly you're thinking about yourself is exactly who you are. The, the, it's the person that you're showcasing. The person that's talking. The person that's thinking. That's, what they're, that's, the, that's the heart that's thinking about themselves. That's who you is. Now, even though God has said so many other things, God has speak blessing. He's identified you. He's labeled you. It does you no good until you actually take that scripture, take what the word of God says, put it in your heart, change your mind with it, and start carrying it out. That's when it starts to change your life. So you got to put your eyes before. you got to start looking at this word as your mirror and start saying, this is who I am. I am forgiven. I am holy. Huh? Yeah, you're holy. You are pure. You are righteous. You are healed. You are forgiven. You start doing those things. What happens? It starts to change your image. And because you start believing that, you start thinking differently. You start talking differently. And things around you start to change. It's because of how you view yourself. So are you. I don't know how else to get that across, but as you are thinking right now, so are you. I just want to be a better person. It is nothing about being a better person. It's what are you thinking about you? Are you believing what God has said or what everybody else has said? That determines how you are. It's impossible to be a better person without changing the way you think about yourself in your heart. It can't be done. So how do you think of yourself? And lastly, we talk about it locates you. Same way as a, uh, when you go to the mall. You see those maps, you are right here, right? If you're trying to find a, a certain store or a certain, you know, whatever, you find this map and it says, you are here. You see the big X. Okay, if I can just turn left and go around the corner, that's how I find my next destination. Well, the same thing in the spirit, what in Christ, those in him verses do, they locate you so that you're able to fulfill your destiny and your calling that God has for you. It is impossible to figure something out without having a guide or a map of knowing where I am. So he gave us his word to help us with that. Cool? Okay. So now I'm going to just pick, kick, kick it off here. This is going to get, this gets good. You ready? All right. I want you to go to Galatians chapter one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Woo. Now we need insight. We need Jesus revealed to us. Amen. Okay. Galatians chapter one. 
And I should have it on the screen for you. Because I want, I want you to see this. In verse 15. Now I want you to notice these words. It says, this is talking about Paul and he's talking to the Galatian church. He said, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me. Now, you guys have those words to me, but actual Greek translation, it actually says to have his son revealed in me. So it pleased God to have his son revealed in me that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And then that kind of goes on to verse 17. But notice what Paul is saying first. Before I went out and did anything, preached the gospel, before I actually could do what God has called me to do, I needed Jesus to be revealed in me. See, people are looking for something external. I need Jesus to be revealed outside. I need to see him somewhere out here. No, no, no. Where you need to see Jesus, you need to see him inside. Now, notice what Paul said. When the moment that Jesus was revealed to him, it said it pleased God to reveal Jesus in me. And what happened right afterwards? He became a message carrier. And listen, everybody, I'm going to just tell you this, whether you realize it or not, you and I, we are message carriers. That's it. Like your number one call, you're a message carrier. Wherever you're going, you, are, you, ha you have a message. Whether it's a silent sermon or it's a sermon that's being spoken, you are carrying a message. When Jesus is revealed on the inside of you, you start, to start, you start, you start teaching. You start preaching because you can't help it. That message gets out. So in Ephesians chapter 1, so that being the truth, then this is the prayer that I would beg you to pray over your family, over yourself every day. And I want to read it to you from the message or the Amplified. Verse 17, he said, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now listen to these words. That he would grant you <clears throat> a spirit of wisdom and revelation, insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Eyes of your heart? What are those? You have another set of eyes. What, are, what eyes is he talking about? Your spiritual eyes. Your eyes of your heart. The, how you see things. Listen, what, what the Word of God, it talks so much about the law being blinding to us. Now, is it blinding in this sense? Like people hear the law and they kind of just do this and this is how they walk? No, but they're blinded to the reality and the truth of who Jesus really is. Where is that blindness? It takes place on the inside. You can tell by if somebody's spiritually blind or not by the response that they give. They're going through a tough time. Oh man, it's just watch out. You see the response. But somebody whose eyes are open to what Jesus, who Jesus is on the inside of them and what he's done, it changes everything. So he's asking this and he's saying, I'm, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. People always want, what's my call? How come it's just, I don't seem to understand. So what do you need? You don't try to figure it out with your brain. You need the eyes of your heart enlightened. You need to see it with the eyes of your heart. And the only way you do that is by spending time with Jesus. Who is he? He is the eye opener. That's what he does. That's his game. That's what he's all about. He opens eyes. I'm not talking about these eyes. I'm talking about the eyes of your heart. So because when you can see it, you can see it and nobody can take, change your mind on it. For example, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah? You believe your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. Have you ever seen the Lamb's Book of Life? How do you know it's there? I've seen it. I've seen it. Where have I seen it? I haven't seen it out here, but I've seen it on the inside. I know it's true. I know it's real. I know how, are we going to go and when we be with the Lord, we're going to have this a huge dinner feast. Everybody's going to have a big party. Well, the word says so. But really, like, I don't, like, is that really going to happen? You see it. This is where God is telling us to live. We spend as Christians way too much time living out here. And in the meantime, we are so spiritually blind on the inside that we can't change anything outside. We're trying to fix the natural. We're trying to fix the external. Trying to do everything and trying to do everything we can to possibly change out here. When God's saying, forget out there. You change the image on the inside. What will happen? It will have to change on the outside. That's how God works from the inside out. When you can see it, you have it. 
That's like what vision is. That's what the, the people that have big businesses and people that even coaches of sports teams, they have, they have a vision. They can see it. They see themselves raising up the Stanley Cup. They see themselves hosting it up. There's, you cannot stop somebody that has that vision. The drive automatically comes. The determination to get it already comes. Meanwhile, we're trying to just hype it up and go, oh, yeah, I, I, I see it. We're going to get it. We're going to go after it. You haven't seen it. You can't have it. And that's a very true spiritual principle. If you don't see it, you can't have it. If you don't see it, you can't have it. If you don't see yourself as the righteousness of God, you'll never experience it. If you can't see that you're healed by Jesus' stripes, guess what? You'll never experience it. It'll always be a nice thought that's out there, but never reality in your life. Cool? And not cool. Anyways, let me finish this prayer. That you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich, say rich, rich. how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, which is in you. And then he said, and so that you can know and understand, there it is, what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. As demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. But if you can't see that, if it hasn't sunk in and become reality to you, you never experience it and you still struggle with the same issues over and over. Every season I get sick over and over, not realizing the very power of God is in you. It's sitting right there. How do you activate it? Start spending time thinking on it. Start spending time meditating on it. And what happens? The eyes of your heart be enlightened and you see it. And once you see it, the devil will be peeing his pants. Shoot, they found out. And you go, I see it. And you go, those are his least favorite words to ever hear. Is a believer who's spending time with the, with the word of God, spending time with the spirit of God talking to him. And they say these words, I see it. Say with me, I see it. Now listen, you've got to start speaking that before you actually see it. I'm believing God for things. I see it. I see it. What am I doing? I'm just getting hot. Eyes, you're going to start seeing some things. Just talking to yourself. Oh, I see it. Everywhere I go, I know exactly what i got to do. I see it. I see it. I see it. And let him show you. You can't work this up. You can't be good enough to get this. It's grace. It's a gift to you and I. He wants you to see it. God's not interested in keeping you blind. What has he said in Hosea? My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. Their eyes are so dark, they can't see it. They can't see anything. And if you can't see anything, guess what happens? You start to operate just like the world does. Everything about you is just like the world. You start thinking like them. You start talking like them. You start using money just like them. You start acting like them. Simply because you don't know what else to do. This is what they're doing. I got to go with something. You go with what you can see. So that's why Paul said, you got to get into this thing and let's get the word of God inside of us so we can start actually being different. And that's what we're all about. This whole series has been, you are different. Everything about you is different because you live from the inside of what you see out. How can you tithe when the government wants to attack these small, these businesses? I see something different. Everybody else is, they're seeing the problem. They're seeing, this is what Prime Minister Trudeau is doing. That's not helping. Instead, Paul tells us to pray. Pray for those that are in authority. Well, I don't have time. He's just a loser. You're missing the point. You know what happened? You know what actually that says? You don't see it. it means you are just as dense as everybody else in the world, and you can't actually see what the Word of God is trying to say. And you know what? God is unable to now do anything in your life because you are spiritually dense. Meanwhile, oh God, can you please bless my business? He can't because you can't see. And meanwhile, we're asking God, to, oh God, can you just come in and miraculously do something in my business? He can't do that. He won't do that. Why? Because he needs your participation and your involvement in it. God is not just this sovereign God just doing good things, whatever he wants. He needs somebody to work through. And that's you and I. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. I love y'all. I'm just, I'm, I'm really preaching to myself. So we got to stick to what the Word of God says and let that be our guide. Let that be the place on which we stand and operate from. If he says pray for Prime Minister Trudeau, you bet your sweet butt I'm going to pray for him. Why? Because I see what it can do for him. 
Because the moment I start operating like everybody else, that means I don't actually believe what God said. Just bottom line. You trust God? Yeah, I do. Well, it doesn't look like it because you have. there's no honor for that position at all. It's not the man. It's the position. <laughs> you don't have to like him. That's fine. But you honor the position. That's what it's all about. That's what God's after. And if he's able to, if you're able to do that in that small thing, then he's able to get access into your things. Amen. Anyways, that was for someone on live stream. That was okay. Okay. <clears throat> now the new nature, this is what we're all talking about. Understanding this Christian life. So understanding it and who I am begins with in him scriptures because they locate you. Now here's the thing. Finding my place, or once I've located these in him scriptures, the key to receiving from God and transmitting his power is now found in Christ. You want to experience what he's done for you? You want to experience the power coming out of you? It all comes from knowing who you are and where you stand. It's not about just praying a prayer and hopefully it works. It's about knowing this, because when I know who I am, then I know the petitions that I've asked, they've been heard and he'll do it. It's a difference. There's confidence and then there's wish. We got to get to this place of confidence that every time I open my mouth and pray, not because of my need, but because of who I am. I am a child of God bought by Jesus' blood. When I open my mouth, he listens. That's not being arrogant. That's being confident. This is what God said. I believe it. I pray. Lord, you always hear my prayer when I talk to you. Always. How can I say that? It's because I stand before him as if I've never done anything wrong. I'm in Christ. That's my position. That's where I am. And from there I operate. Cool? Okay. So God's part. Eric, can I get you to do your, do your thing? <clears throat> yes, please. So God's part. And just before we talk about this, I read this quote to you last week. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, you need to see how wonderful you are in God and how helpless you are without him. Now, don't mind a uh, little, art, little arts and crafts this morning. It's the kid's popcorn machine downstairs. And my very lame, well, there it is, in Christ. You can see it. Okay. So in Christ, God's part, what he actually did, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let's just read this first. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. Then what? The old life. Oh, can you not see it? The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So what did God actually do? He actually created a new man in Christ. Brand, brand spanking new. Never existed before. Never seen before. He created a new being. Like same way if you look in the Garden of Eden. There was nothing. There was, there was no beings. God created a man and named him Adam. Right? There they were, Adam and Eve. God created them. And so what happened? You know, Adam sinned. Eve sinned. They fell. And what happened? They came from this place with God. They fell in sin, and so they were now dropped. They could not converse with God on the same level anymore because of sin. There was a separation, and that separation was sin. So what God came to do, he said, I come to destroy the distance. I hate that distance. And so he sent Jesus. Jesus came and God put everything on Jesus. Everything, every sin, every sickness, every lack, every poverty. He took all the, everything that sin produced, which is death, and he put it on Jesus. And when Jesus went to hell with it, he rose again from the dead. God made a new man at that moment. And now he said, if any man be in this Christ, be in Christ, be in this new man, he is a new person. The old one is gone, it's completely, it's, it's wiped out. The fresh and the new has come. So the fresh and the new has come for you. That old lifestyle is completely gone. Now I want to just show you a few things. Um, fam, come here for a sec. I'm going to use you because you're, you're always the, the go-to guy. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get you just to come, uh, come into this place. And so right now, Marcel is, you know, he's accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, and listen, like this, 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 it's, he could have done it two minutes ago. So he just, you know, Lord, I, Jesus, I accept you into my life. I believe that Jesus is my Lord. Come into my heart. Change me. Do something with my life. I belong to you. The moment he said that, God put him. Can you, you're going to climb up here? That's a ladder. Again? Yep. You're going to have to. 
God put him. You can stand up though, it's good. God put him where? In Christ. Where's Marcel right now? What if he walks to school? Where is he? He's in there. Because what are we talking about? Are we talking about spirit, soul, or body? Which part of you are we talking about? His spirit man. Because listen, when Marcel accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, did his looks change? No, he still had that cute eyebrows, the great facial features, same little muscles. They're all the exact same. Not only that too, but what's two plus two? Okay, he still got that. What's four plus four? Eight. Eight and eight. 16. 16 and 16. 32. 32, 32. 64. 64, 64. Uh, no, wait. 128. Yeah, you got it. Okay. So all these things are still in there. And if he's like, I had trouble with math. Uh, I thought if I accepted Jesus, I'd just know math. That, that, that doesn't, it's not what we're talking about. But in Christ, Marcel is a brand new person. Brand new. Say brand new. And the Bible actually says that's never existed before, meaning from prior, when the, from Genesis to that time, there's never been anybody like it. Jesus is the first man to actually be like this, but God said, I'm going to include you guys in this too. If you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to put you right in Christ. So now here you are. This is now your identity. Now let's read about a couple of cool things about this, shall we? Now, Romans 6.23, this is what happens. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's the first thing that he got? Eternal life. What is, I mean, you hear eternal life, what is the first thing people say? Heaven. They, when they talk about it meaning you live forever. But you know, eternal life doesn't actually have anything to do with duration. It has everything to do with quality. Right? Eternal life doesn't just mean forever. Because listen, if you are eternally dead, you live forever. You're a spirit being. You are going to be here forever. Okay. So when he says eternal life, like what Romans 6.23 says, and when John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. What is he talking about? Talking about quality of life. Not duration. We know everybody on this planet is going to live forever. It's now where, where are you going, number one. But secondly is now the quality of the life. That's up to you and I. So let's just look at a, a couple of scriptures here. Marcel, you're good there for a sec? You can't, you can't get out anyway. <laughs> but I want you to look at Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you because I'm going to let the Bible just talk for itself for a moment. But Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2, I want you to see this because now we're talking about the position. I want you to see how wonderful you are in God and how helpless you are apart from Him. But in Christ, man, everything is new. You got it. Say, I got it. You already got it. In Christ. That's how much God loves you. It's not about you trust. Listen, in this place, do you think Marcel has to, Oh God, please hear my prayer. Oh God, I just need some help. Do you think God's like, you idiot? Figure it out for yourself. No, in Christ, His love and mercy is all around this position in Christ. You are His child in this place. He loves you. He craves you. He desires you. He wants intimacy with you. Then this is where He can do it, is in Christ. This is everything. So we got to stay in the box. Stay here. Identify here. Because the moment that Marcel steps out of this box and starts identifying with things out here, he becomes weird. God looks at him and goes, I gave you everything, yet you're operating like you got nothing. What's wrong with you, man? I put everything in this. Stay in the box, Marcel. Stay right here. I need wisdom. I got to go find it somewhere. No, stay in the box. Oh, I just need healing for my body. No, 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 no. Stay in the box. Listen, can Marcel ever just leave this? No, he, he's, God's got him. He's in there. But if your, our mind is unrenewed, you actually can live like a person of the world. So this is where the change has to take place. And that, we're going to talk about in this sec. But Romans chapter 5, look at this. I'm going to read you some of these blessings that Marcel's soaking in right now. Marcel, make sure you feel it back there while I'm reading them. All right. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Yeah. 
So where's Marcel standing right now? In this place of undeserved privilege. This place of grace. This place in Ephesians 2 talks about grace abounding towards you. Where does grace abound? In Christ. Who's in Christ? You don't actually have to stand in the box to, get, to be in Christ. You know that, right? Marcel's in Christ. What happens? This grace is abounding towards him. He stands right now before God as if he's done nothing wrong. And Marcel could go, oh, but my past, I, I messed up. Man, I messed up so big last week in school. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with where are you at? Who are you? What is God saying? You have to let that transform you. Because listen, the world is doing everything it can. The enemy is doing everything it can to separate you from this box and get you out to start thinking like them. He's doing everything he can. Think in the box. It's the only time we're allowed to say that. <laughs> Otherwise, think outside of it. Okay, now look at uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. You're doing okay? In Christ. Romans 8, 1, it says, Now there is... No condemnation for those who belong to Christ. What does that mean? No more guilt. No more shame. What if it starts to come back up? What if the enemy starts reminding you of your past? No, 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 no. Remember how we fight? We don't fight. Oh, no, that's not who I am. And I'm not going to talk to those people anymore. No, no, no. No, we don't fight that way. We fight. We go back and every thought, every imagination that goes against the word of God, we go, no, no, no. Romans 8.1 says that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm in Him. No more guilt. you got to start talking back. When the attacks come, you got to answer those attacks. Why? Because if you don't, it'll just absolutely kick your butt. And there's nothing worse than God seeing His child getting His butt kicked. Because of an unrenewed mind. Because of not knowing who He is in Christ Jesus. Church is time we start to know who we are. Because when we know who we are, we can actually start changing things around us. You're not just an employee at your, your job. You're in Christ. And wherever you go, you take him with you. Wherever Jesus is, he changes things. But you've got to know who he is in you and who you are in him. That changes things. That changes your boss from, or your, your company going broke to all of a sudden being the most prosperous thing out there. It's because of who you have in you and who you are in him. Okay, I'm sweating, so you better be enjoying this. Look at verse 17. Can I see your Bible for one second? I just want to read it properly in this one. Romans 8, verse 17. It's, or verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are all the children of God. And if we are children, then heirs. Say heir. Yes. Somebody tell me, what's an heir? You're, in, you're getting your inheritance? Okay, okay. Just making sure we all know. Thank you for telling me. Then heirs... Look at this, heirs of God, and what? <laughs> Are you hearing this? And what? And what? Man, say it like you're in Him. And joint heirs. What am I? I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Hello. That's who I am. I'm a joint heir. Everything Jesus has, guess what? I got. Oh, look how good Marcel's looking right now. Woo! I'm a joint heir. Yes, son, I'm a joint heir. It changes you. People are trying to change their behavior. Don't do that. Start to know who you are. All of a sudden, you'll get some swag in your step. Oh, yeah. I got some air swag going on here. That's what I'm talking about. I'm a joint heir. Now, look at this. Look at verse 37. <laughs> some of you have no idea what I just said. Anyways, verse 37. In all these things... Talking about trials and tribulations. We are more than conquerors. What is more than a conqueror? Somebody tell me, what's more than a conqueror? Yeah, wow. That's a good, yeah, wow. You know, the way that I've heard it, I've heard it said or illustrated to me is, uh, you had two boxers. They're boxing in the ring and, you know, the, the purse was, you know, a million bucks. So, man, all of a sudden, this fighter's going through, and then he's, he's, you know, knocking some teeth in. And at the end of it, this one, this one individual boxer wins, and he got the million bucks. Woo, he's, what is he? He's a conqueror. He goes home and his wife goes, thank you. She takes the million bucks. She now is more than a conqueror. Did she, what did she have to do to get it? <laughs> what did she have to do to get it? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Man, can you imagine? These guys all beat up, face blog. Hey, hey, Adrian! Adrian, I got a million bucks. 
Oh, sweet, you ugly, bye. <laughs> she more than a conqueror. Well, that's what the Lord's telling us. He took the beatings. He went to hell. He rose up. And he says, now you are more than a conqueror. Woo! What do you got to do for it? You just got to be in him. That's all you got to do. Oh, but I got to pray hard to be that. No, it has nothing to do about your works. It has everything to do with what he's already provided for you. But if you don't know that, you live as if you've never experienced it or possessed it. So we got it. You can see the importance. The way we change our thinking, how we start identifying ourselves is everything. Next, I'm going to just 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. Thank you, sweetie. Woo! Happy, happy, happy here this morning. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit, not for his, for our benefit, God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Other translation, it says, Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. All those things is in Christ. Oh, I, I need wisdom. Listen, you don't have to fight for it. We got to get that out of our brain. You got to stop even like, oh God, I just, I need this. You're right here. And listen, God put everything he has, everything he is, and he put it in Christ. Put it in there. So a lot of people are even asking God to do something that he already did in here. Can you see how crazy that is? So what do we need to do then? Instead of asking God for all this, go, God, open the eyes of my understanding. Open my heart. What have you done for me? Oh, I see it. I have the victory. I don't have to pray for it. I pray from it. It's a different thought now. Amen. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. Fam, you doing okay there? Yeah. Still happy? You're in Christ, so you better be happy. <clears throat> I can't get anybody else in that box. <laughs> Ephesians 1, look at verse 3. It says, verse 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So in Christ, when you stand before God, how do you stand? Blameless. I've done absolutely nothing wrong. That's why Paul said, he, in one of his letters he wrote, We have wronged no man. What, Paul? Yeah, you killed, you killed Christians. You destroyed churches. Yeah, that was the soul that was out here. But listen, I died. Remember, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This guy, dead. And now God put me in Christ. And in here, I'm alive. I'm a brand new person here. And so he could say, I've wronged no man. You're sinned. Listen, as far as the east is from the west, that is how far he has removed your transgressions from you. He's not even thinking about it. And meanwhile, what a waste it would be for you and I to start thinking, oh, I've messed up so much in my life when you're standing in the box that he doesn't even remember it. He doesn't even know what you're talking about. So it's actually hurting you to bring up those past sins. Live here. Enjoy this. This is really good. <laughs> now, let me just go back to you. So that's our part, fam. You're good there for a sec. Okay. Thank you, Marcel. <laughs> I gave him a birthday present, so he, you know... I guess there were some strings attached to it a little bit, but <laughs> I thank you for it. So what else had God done? So what God did, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to just close off here. But this is what God did. He literally put everything that he is into Christ. Let's look at verse 18, oh, verse 17. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Look at the next, verse 19. For God was in Christ. God was in Christ. Say with me. God was in Christ. What was he doing? 
reconciling. Come back. Come here. Come here. I'm not mad at you. I don't care what religion says. I'm not mad at you anymore. I'm not mad at all. God was in Christ. Come, come here. I, I love you with all my heart. I give you Jesus. Here I am. I want to give you that new identity. I want to give you that new man because I'm, I'm, I'm not sending anybody to hell. The only person that God's ever sent to hell was Jesus. And how, why did he go to hell? With all of our sin, with all of our mistakes, our failures, our shame, our guilt. He put it all on one man so that we could be free from it entirely. Listen, you and I, we don't know how to handle stress. We don't know how to handle anxiety. We were never created to do so. We were never created to do so. We have no idea how to handle it. You see people do the craziest things when they're under pressure. They, they do dumb things. So God put everything on Jesus, sent him to hell, and when he rose again from the dead, he said, Now, come. Come live in this place. Dwell in here. Let this be your new identity. Now, that's all God's part. What do you have to do to be part of this? Ephesians 2 verse 8 just talks about how God, like, his grace has freed you. Your, your salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. So what is it? It's simply a response to what God has done through Jesus on the cross. You say, Jesus, I want you. Come into my life. And the result is now, he has put you here. And it does not matter your past. It doesn't matter how nasty you were before. Listen, Adolf Hitler could have prayed the prayer and received Jesus Christ on his deathbed. And all of his transgressions would have been wiped clean. Religion doesn't understand that. How could he? Same thing Osama bin Laden. Exact same thing. Because if one man died for all, then all men have died. Through the eyes of God, he loves his family. He loves his people. He hates sin, but he loves his family. So anyone who, who does that receives Jesus Christ. God puts them in Christ and cancels their record. Canceled it. Your record is canceled doesn't matter what you've done wrong. Your record is completely wiped out. It's clean. You can't, there's not even evidence of it. God absolutely blotted it out, Colossians says. He wiped it clean, got rid of the whole slate. And now he says, let me label you free, forgiven, righteous, redeemed, restored. You are my child. That's now your label. That's how he calls you. That's how he sees you. He's not, God's not playing pretend. I call you my son, but I do know what you did yesterday. He's not even thinking that. It's completely gone. You've got to get rid of those things. Why, if God's throwing them out, why are you thinking about them still? Let them out. Get rid of them. So our job, as I said, is to respond and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then number two is now we have absolutely got to get this word. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 talks about the word of God being a mirror. The same way you look in the mirror and you spend all, you know, for us guys, two minutes in front of the mirror getting ready. And all hour and two minutes for you ladies, whatever it takes. You look at that mirror and you're seeing a reflection of yourself. You've never actually seen you. Anybody realize that? Have your eyes ever popped out of the sockets and looked directly at you? No. You are always seeing a reflection. You're coming to church based on a reflection that you saw. You can trust that reflection. Yeah, you've trained yourself so much to look at the mirror and go, okay, yeah, I need to do something with this shade. Okay, I, I got to do something. And you start fixing things according to the reflection that you trust. The Word of God is telling us the same way. You got to use this Word as a reflection. A reflection of what? Not who you are naturally, but who you are spiritually. This is who I am. This is what I have. This is what God says about me. Just the scriptures we just read. That is a reflection, a mirror of what your spirit man is really like. And let's close with this. Romans chapter 12. Look here real quickly. Marcel, you're doing an awesome job. <laughs> Truth is, I don't know how to get him out of there. So... <laughs> So he's going to be there for a little while. Unless, uh, <laughs> but it's good. You don't want to get out of in Christ. <laughs> Sermon illustrations gone wrong. It, I can't get them out. <laughs> so now look at this. This is not only do we have to look at the word of God as a mirror, but now you have to let this word change you. Nobody on this entire planet can change you. God himself can't even change you unless you allow him to. 
Do you hear me? God is not going to come in and shake you up and say, hey, this makes make a change. This is who you are. Let's get going. This is now, this is how you're going to start thinking from now on. This whole change is now a process. It doesn't just happen. Listen, you're going to get an attack this week and all of a sudden you're going to go, what on earth is going on? Run back to that identity. This is who I am. This is what I have. Every attack that comes at you, stay here. Think, I'm in Christ. So what does that mean? If I'm in Christ, what do I possess? Who am I? I'm righteous. That's number one. I've never done a thing wrong. Whew, Lord, I can come before you as ever. I've never done a thing wrong. So Lord, I'm asking you for help. And how do I know he'll heal me? Because I am righteous. That's why he hears me. It's because I'm righteous. So now what do we do? Now this process. Let me get back to this process. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Paul's begging you. He's like, I earnestly desire. I'm begging you, please give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Worship is not just something we do with the music. Worship, I'm giving him my life. I give him my body. Every blink I do is his blink. It's his. It's his body. So then he says, if, if you're giving it to him, look at this, verse 2. Don't copy. They say, don't copy. How many times do your teachers say that in class? Don't copy. See, what is copying? It's, what are they doing? What's their answer over there? How, how are they acting? Oh, yeah, that's what, well, that's what Facebook says to do. Okay, yeah, sure, that sounds good. Oh, there's 51 different genders. Okay, I'll think like that too. He's saying, don't copy that. Don't copy that. The behavior and customs of this world, but now look at the words, let God, let God transform you by changing the way that you think. What's a transformed life? All that it is is someone who thinks differently. It's a new thought. It's a new thought. And how is he going to change the way that you think? By you getting into this word, studying your new identity. Start looking into this and going, okay, Lord, open up my eyes. I'm praying the Ephesians prayer. Lord, open my eyes to see you clearly. I want Jesus to be revealed in me. Show me who I am in him and who he is in me. And when you start opening the word of God, man, the Lord is going to just start showing you things. He's going to start pulling things out and going, this is who you are. This is what happens. Now he has access into you because now you've gave him your body and now you're letting him transform you by changing the way that you think. So all we got to do, change the way you think. That's basically it. What is our message to the world? Jesus, get born again. God's not mad at you. Come on in. What's the message to the church, to those that your friends, the people that you know in the Christian world? Renew your mind. Come on in, world, and the moment that they get in here, now we have another message, change the way that you think. Because the way that you think is holding you back from everything God has for you. So change the way that you think. Amen? Yep. Awesome. Let's all stand up. We'll just stand here for a second. <laughs> I don't know what to do with him, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's smart. That's smart. There it is. Oh, hey, Marcel's getting out. Yeah. But he's still in Christ. Right, okay. Thanks, Andrew. So I want to, let's just lift our hands just for a moment. Father, we worship you. Lord, we thank you that you've called us out of darkness and into your kingdom of your dear son. Lord, we are so grateful. We are so thankful that you've placed us in Christ. Lord, this is the place that we now stand. This is our position. You said in your word, Ephesians 2, 6, that you raised us up with Christ and you caused us to sit with him in heavenly places. Lord, we have no lack for anything. You've gave it all to us. So Lord, I just, I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, knowing the standing that I had before you as a child of God, Lord, I come on behalf of this church and I ask you, sir, that we do regularly, that you would give this church family a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the insights into the intimacy of knowing you clearly. Lord, that's what we desire, that's what we long for, is to know you intimately. Because when we know you, we see who we are. Father, I ask that every 
eyes of the people's hearts here would be enlightened and flooded with your word so that they would know the hope to which they have been called and how rich, how glorious is your power that's on the inside of them. I ask you that, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, and we believe we receive it. We have eyes that see. We have ears that hear. We have hearts that understand. We thank you for it, and our mind is open to be changed by your word. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, I just want to make sure if there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ. And you know what? What we're going to do here, I just want everyone just to say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. Jesus, I accept you. Jesus, I long for you. I desire you. I want to be in you. So I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I respond to his grace by saying yes to you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I give it all to you. Take my life. Do something with it that will bring glory to you and change my world and change the people that I'm with all for your glory and to advance your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've ever prayed that for the first time, we, if you want to come talk to us, one of us leaders, we're going to have a prayer team here afterwards. Let us know. we got some stuff we want to give you. Your life is completely changed. And it's, it's the best thing that could ever happen to you is come into a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Awesome. I'll give it over to Aaron. Amen. All right.